Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, but should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to the Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yellen. As many of our regular listeners will know, the majority of our interviews involve people dealing with life-threatening cancers. But there are also other deadly illnesses, and we're going to talk about one of them today. Six years ago, we interviewed a mother whose teenage son was dying of Crohn's. And with the use of cannabis, he's alive today and he's healthy. And joining us from Illinois to talk about cannabis and Crohn's is Wendy Turner and her son, Colton, who is in Texas. Before we uh, get into the interview, uh, Wendy, I just want to say that the last time we interviewed you, six years ago, you were describing yourself as a goody two-shoes. Would you still say you are? No. <laughs> 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 so I have my illegally alive shirt on today um and in support of of my my newfound uh hippiness and my cannabis use and my illegalities of sticking it to the man so yeah Colton, would you say your mother's a goody two shoes oh definitely Uh, a little bit but uh she knows when you know certain rules are meant to be broken and most of them regarding cannabis laws (laughs) that's right now colton i want you to tell the story of your crohn's how did that uh, all come about Sure. So I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2011 after a incident where I had drowned in a Boy Scout camp lake. The bacteria from the water had basically triggered my Crohn's disease. It turns out that when a Crohn's patient is diagnosed with Crohn's, they've always had it, but most of them require a trigger. Most people don't have those triggers until they're in their late 40s or older. Mm-hmm. So adolescents or you know patients like me usually have a trigger. And for me, this uh, drowning incident was my trigger. Uh, The bacteria from the water triggered my Crohn's disease and I immediately got sick and I just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Constant stomach pain, constantly in the bathroom. I had no energy. I was losing weight. I would have rashes that popped up all over my body. So the doctors immediately started putting me on pharmaceutical treatment after pharmaceutical treatment, doing way more harm than good for medications that did absolutely nothing to medications that deteriorated the bones in my body to medications that gave me nosebleeds that lasted 15 minutes straight, just like gushing blood Mm -hmm. out of my nose to medications that gave me tuberculosis and T-cell lymphoma scares to medications that if I did take it, I actually calculated one of the last medications that they wanted me to go on. I had a 66% chance of developing T-cell lymphoma. So- I went through this uh, pharmaceutical treatment for three years and to the point where I was in a wheelchair. I looked like a cancer patient with hair. I had 22 centimeters of inflamed bowel with skip lesions, with inflammation, ulcers, scar tissue, granulomas, fistulas, you name it, it was in there. So we decided in 2014, while I was on my deathbed, uh, we were getting some options from our doctors at the Mayo Clinic. And we were asking, you know, what are our options? What do we do? 
One of them was that medication where uh, I had a 66% chance of lymphoma. Uh, surgery, they would remove the 22 centimeters and an extra inch off of each side. So they would take all of that out. I'd have a colostomy bag on my side. The crosses may come back. It may not even do anything. And because of the complications of the surgery, my Crohn's could end up actually becoming worse and becoming less manageable. Or we could research alternative treatments. So we were asking, well, what does alternative treatments mean? Like, do we need to go to a reservation? Do we need to go find a medicine man? Like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. We were asking these questions, but as the nurse was walking out of the, the room, she cracked the door open, leaned her head back in and said, you guys should probably check out what's going on in Colorado and close the door. That was our wow. green light because they had just legalized recreational in Colorado. So me and my dad, we four days after my 14th birthday, we packed a suitcase full of clothes, grabbed a handful of cash, and we just left for Colorado. Didn't tell anyone. This, this is from us coming from a very dare-oriented community the just say no's. We kicked family out of our lives because they were associated with cannabis. Mm. So we packed a suitcase full of clothes, grabbed a handful of cash, and we just left. Didn't tell anyone where we were going or what we were doing. A couple of people actually thought that my dad had kidnapped me because I was gone for so long. But we went to Colorado and we started uh, making pot brownies on the roofs of hotel swimming pools and <laughs> just going to keep my dad's outside the window with a crock pot with an extension cord, stirring pot batter. And I'm on the inside of the hotel room, packing towels along the door hinges and spraying Febreze everywhere because we were terrified we were going to get caught. But after about two weeks on just these moonshine equivalent of pot brownies, uh, I was already out of the wheelchair. I was in less pain. I had energy. And it wasn't until about later that month in March that we were able to finally get a hold of a caregiver that provided us with uh, CBD oil, because at the time, the only patients that were taking it that were adolescents were epilepsy patients. So they were nonverbal. So there wasn't really anyone that we could base any experience that we could base my treatment on. So we had to go into trial and error. We started taking CBD oil with THC edibles. Eventually, we were, get a, we were able to get a hold of THC tincture as well. We started combining the THC tincture with the CBD tincture. And eventually we kind of figured out that I need an equal amount of CBD to THC. So we have figured out my dosing completely. I need 15 milligrams of CBD and THC every six hours. I take them in a pill capsule uh, because that is my preferred method of ingestion. And the reason why we started with the, the pills is because all my inflammation was in my intestines. So with the timed release pill capsule, the medicine was getting to where it needed to be. So after starting on that, I had energy, I was gaining weight, and I felt like a normal kid again. Now, after seven months, we decided to have a colonoscopy. We called eight doctors to see if they would just look at me, but they all said no because I was a cannabis patient. Wow. In, in the state of Colorado, I was a legal medical cannabis patient. I had my medical card, but they denied me because... It was against their hospital's policy because they would not treat medical cannabis patients. The eighth one, we had to beg to have this colonoscopy. And they said, okay, we'll take you. But if we don't like what you're doing and we recommend something else and you say no, we're calling Child Protective Services. Now, mm. if that would happen, myself, my older brother, and my younger sister would all be thrown into foster care and most likely separated. 
my mother and my father would both be thrown into federal prison for child endangerment and administering a federally illegal substance to a minor. And I would be uh, put on a pharmaceutical that would had a high chance of killing me, or I would wind out with half of my intestines. So we said, bring it on. And the colonoscopy revealed that I was in complete clinical remission. There was zero active Crohn's disease. They couldn't find any inflammation. They couldn't find any ulcers. Fistulas that were there had healed. They had never heard of that before. And that's where I've been for going on, wow, nine years now. Almost 10. Wow. Wow. What a story. Do you remember the very first time you did cannabis? I do. We decided that after we got that green light from uh, our doctors of maybe you should check out what's going on in Colorado. We said, okay, well, we should probably, you know, test this out before we move to another state completely to, to get this medicine. So a friend of a friend was able to get us a hold of some flour that we made into brownies in the state of Illinois. So we had tried that a little bit. My pain had gone down a little bit. My nausea had gone down a little bit. They noticed that I had a little bit more energy. So we thought, well, the quality in a legal state like Colorado has to be tremendously more effective than what we could get in Illinois. So we decided that that's what our plan was. So we went to Colorado shortly after. Wendy, what did you think of your son and your husband going to Colorado? I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. Not only were we giving him a, a, an illegal drug, Schedule 1 drug that had no, told, we were told that had no benefits medically. I was also giving him to my husband who never really took care of Colton before. So I had to stay home and run our business. And my husband, who's a disabled veteran, took him to Colorado um, to do this to dose him and to take care of his Crohn's disease when he's the one that sat in the waiting room with our other two kids while I dealt with Colton and his issues. So mm-hmm. I did not know if I would ever see Colton again. I didn't know, not because I didn't trust Tommy, but because of the whole situation, you know, he was so sick. I mean, this was our last resort. You know, we thought, you know, we thought that we were going to lose him before that so we're just on pins and needles and, you know, just terrified. So we send him four states away, 14 hours to a state where this, you know, new drug that was so bad before is obviously now not so bad. And his dad had to take care of him. It was really, really hard. Listening to him tell the story is, doesn't get any easier. No, I would imagine it doesn't. Yeah. Did you ever in your wildest dreams let yourself even go there in your mind to a point of thinking that Colton would ever be where he is today as far as dealing with his Crohn's? I did. The weirdest thing about me, I think, is that I am so optimistic. I am. I just knew. I gave him his first shot of Humira and I thought, oh, my God, I just killed my son. I'm killing him. And I knew it. You know, like when you have those gut feelings, um, I knew that these pharmaceuticals were killing him and I knew cannabis was going to work. I just knew it. I, and granted, I was terrified because of the legalities of, of everything. But 
I just had this calming, relaxed, everything's going to be okay. And he's going to have a, an amazing life on this new drug, this, this, this new alternative treatment to a, a disease that was killing him. I just knew it. I don't know. I, it was just weird. Colton, Wendy, what was it like when you find that eighth doctor who agrees to do that colonoscopy? Do you remember the moment when you get the results of that? I did remember when we got the results of that. Now, for context, I used to be very introverted. I'm on the autism spectrum. So I w had a hard time looking people in the eye. I had a hard time talking to strangers. I had a hard time socializing in a variety of different aspects. But the one thing that controlled all that was just me being very shy and not wanting to talk to people. But when, as soon as I got those results, I said, we need to tell people about this. And I posted those results on the internet. There are pictures of my intestines on the internet uh, when I had this colonoscopy done. And I did a parody of the This Is Your Brain on Drugs commercial, where I held up a colonoscopy of my colon before cannabis that showed all the nasty stuff that was in there. I held up a pill saying, this is cannabis. And then I held up my colonoscopy after starting. And I said, this is my colon with cannabis. Any questions? And it went viral. And I immediately started getting invited to events to speak. I started getting invited to the Capitol, you know, to testify for and against bills. And the first time I ever testified by myself, uh, it was a, a bill in Colorado where they were trying to uh, kill testing for medical cannabis. So I went there and I said, hey, if I know what's in a... I went there by myself because when you sign up to uh, testify, they don't go from top to bottom on the list. They go from bottom up. So if you're the last person to sign sign up, you're the first person that's called. And one of our friends had convinced me to sign up because my mom and dad, or my mom had already signed up. They convinced me to, uh, to sign up by myself. And I was the last person to sign it. So when the hearing finally started, I was the first person called. And I went up there and I just said, hey, if I know what's in a, a candy bar, then why can't I know what's in my medicine? And that was the first time and definitely not the last time that I had testified by myself. And, you know, I'm just way more outspoken now than I used to be before. And I have all of it to thank cannabis for. And that's with efficacy. So we actually, when, when we got those results, we knew, we were like, this is it. You know, cannabis worked. 100%. And we had absolute, nobody could question it. Like we had stability in our ability to say this worked. And no one, no, nobody could question what we did because it was all there documented. And then that led into, you know, Colton being able to, to go to all these places and say, look, it worked. This isn't a fluke. This actually worked. Wendy, what was it like for you when Colton got the results that he was all clear? Well, we kind of knew. We knew it wasn't shocking. Well, I don't know. It was validating. Yeah. It was validating. I was like, I told you. I knew this was working. When you see your child in a wheelchair and, you know, four means below the standard in health are in, in growth and failure to thrive. 
pale as can be. I mean, he's not, he's pretty pale anyway, naturally, but even more pale. And then you see him running to meet, to greet you because I didn't get to see him for a couple of months after mm -hmm. he started his cannabis use. You know that something's working. And yeah, you, you must have had tears come down your face. Oh, we won't talk about that because I'll start crying now. Oh, I, okay. I have a hard time listening to Colton speak. I have a hard time telling the story. That's why we make him do it <laughs> because it is so emotional. We were at the brink of death and mm -hmm. that was hard to watch. Yeah, there is a special bond between parents and their children, especially mothers and their children who give, give birth. And I think, I mean, I can relate to what you say because no matter how old your kids are, they're still your kids. Colton, I want to ask you, when you started making this uh, <laughs> this product in your hotel room and you, you, were, you were plugging all the air ducts so the smell wouldn't get out, when you started taking it, how many days before you started to think, hmm, maybe this is working? Well, honestly, it was after the first day that I knew that there was even some improvement just because of the wow. amount of pain that I was in and the amount of nausea that had receded. But it wasn't until the following days afterward that that energy that I used to have before, you know, Crohn's disease and before cannabis started coming back. So, you know, within the first couple of days, I was already in less pain and, you know, in less having less nausea. The rash that pops up whenever I'm in a flare started going away and I started getting more energy. I was hungrier because you need to be hungry when you have a wasting syndrome. Mm -hmm. And in about two weeks, I was, I had enough energy that I didn't need the wheelchair anymore. Wow. I just, I just had enough energy to where I could support myself without it. And they were having cabin fever. So they, they um, actually got out of the house and started walking and are out of the hotel. Yeah. And uh, started hiking and things like that. And we, and this is, this was unheard of, Yeah, but we wrote down every time he put something in his mouth, whether it was a hard candy, whether it was a piece of gum, whether it was a, a full meal, we wrote down everything and we wrote down his pain and what his pain scale was at that day on that day. We noticed my husband noticed within a, just a couple of days that his pain had improved. He was a little bit more, he's a funny kid, but <laughs> his, his humor started becoming a little bit more mm -hmm. and he was talking more and he was being more active and they were playing pool and they, they went on these hikes and July 10th of 2014, Colton hiked Blue Mountain, which was what, three months after his, the start of his, his cannabis treatment. I mean, this kid went from in a wheelchair three months ago, barely, mm -hmm. he couldn't go anywhere. He wasn't doing anything. He was wasting away three months later, hiking a mountain. That's incredible. Pretty yeah, it is incredible. Yeah. Solar didn't do that for him. Methotrexate didn't do that for him. Humira definitely did. did that. Cannabis did that for him. Have you ever gone back to the nurse and said, thank you for uh, the suggestion? Don't even know who she was. <laughs> oh, okay. But, man, if she's out there somewhere, Thank you. <laughs> Colton, what does your cannabis look use look like today? What's an average day for you? 
Well, right now it's a little bit hard just because right now I'm in Texas trying to kind of help improve the laws here in Texas. We have a couple of bills that are coming out that are hoping to help expand the medical cannabis program and things like that. So right now we're pretty much limited to CBD derived from hemp and as well as what is it, Delta 8 THC. Texas has a limited point, a 1% THC limit, and then they're pushing it to 5%. So and it's, it's limited by weight too. Yeah, it's very awkward. So it's, it's a little bit rough, but you know, that's why I'm here because I want to be close enough to the fight that I can actually help make some change. Uh, we're hoping to help uh, with the potency loss soon, help expand the, the list of qualifying conditions, provide more testing, more dispensaries, so that way there's more access, uh, more licenses, so that way there are more cannabis businesses that can join Texas because I think that Texas can really has a great opportunity on its hands if it decides to join the cannabis party. And I want to be here to see it. Well, I'll bet you do. So in a perfect world, if you're having like a day where you have access to anything that you need, what does your intake of cannabis look like generally? Like, what does it take to manage cold? Well, definitely something full spectrum. I think that, you know, all the other minor cannabinoids as well as terpenes are really important when it comes to the treatment of Crohn's disease. And obviously, you know, uh, terpenes and additional cannabinoids and even the ratio of CBD to THC can vary based on someone's Crohn's disease. I know Crohn's patients who take eight times as much CBD as me. And I know that there are patients who take eight times as much THC. I know patients that can take one of my pills and will pass out or we'll take eight and feel nothing. Mm. But for me, it would be a full spectrum of one-to-one tincture that I can put into pill capsules. And then I can just take a pill every six hours because we found out that I actually need 60 milligrams in an entire day. But if I take all of that at once, then I get what we call oversaturated. There's that saturation level where we, through microdosing, found out, okay, this is how much cannabis I can take in my system as possible without it affecting my cognitive skills. So let's just stay right there, have as much go into my system as possible and spread it out. So that way, you know, it's not, I'm not taking all of it at once, it's spread out throughout the day. So I'm still getting all of the cannabinoids I need just in different increments of time. And there was actually a time where, and when I turned 18, I would actually occasionally use a vape in order to take care of nausea because vaping is really good for nausea as well. It's super quick and effective, especially great for me because even though I'm in remission because of my Crohn's disease, flare-ups do still happen. There are If I take the, uh, the wrong medicine, if I eat something that has fructose in it, that's actually the first thing that the Mayo Clinic tested for was fructose malabsorption. I can't have anything with fructose or high fructose corn syrup. And as, mm-hmm. as soon as I do, I go into a flare, but that's why I have, you know, I would have a vape to use as a emergency remedy and it would help. So yeah, that high so, fructose corn syrup is nasty stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. And they put it in oh, everything, yeah. but it's yeah. fructose, not high fructose corn syrup, but fructose, fructose is natural in a lot of things like fruit. Apples yeah. are riddled with fructose. I can never eat an apple again. Oh, so, so Colton, we were talking about, you know, it's very obvious that what works for one does not work for another. 
But what is a good starting point? If there's a, an individual with Crohn's listening right now, and they're thinking, I want to try cannabis, obviously they're going to have to fine tune it. But what is a good starting point? Do you have something that you recommend to Crohn's patients? Well, it's really hard to recommend a solid dose of this is what you should start with because one, you know, uh, different cannabis patients, you know, are affected differently by it. And two, uh, because, you know, it's a federally illegal substance, we technically don't have the authority to recommend starting doses and things like that. All I can say is, you know, what my experience is, what I started off with, I started with a very, very low dose and slowly increased it over time until I reached the desired effects. I affected how much CBD I was intaking versus how much THC I was intaking. I will say that a lot of the patients that we end up talking to who have Crohn's disease do end up going with uh, a dose either close or exactly as a a one-to-one. So a lot of Crohn's patients we talk to take one-to-ones. A lot of them take high CBD. A lot of them take high THC. And, you know, as far as actual dosing, there are some that take 20 milligrams three times a day, or they'll take the 60 milligrams all at once, or they'll take, you know, 120 milligrams throughout the day. Uh, It really is a bit of trial and error, which is the only unfortunate thing about cannabis is that it is Mm -hmm. a bit of trial and error, especially with something as very picky, as a picky of an illness as Crohn's disease. And we have also noticed um, sometimes when you're in a flare, um, bringing in the army, really having high doses of cannabis to, to fight that off instead of trying to snipe it like Colton does with microdosing, that is helpful. And then we've also noticed that Crohn's patients cannot use THCV. Um, so there are cannabinoids that do make a difference in your health and you have to be careful with them. THCV is an, is an appetite suppressant. So we recommend that everyone avoids THCV, um, even though it is a great cannabinoid for other things. It's just not great for, for Crohn's. Um, and also we have to be very careful with the terpenes. Um, so we have a lot of patients. Um, Crohn's seems to be um, you're, you're fatigued all the time, but you have insomnia. So why you're so tired and can't sleep is is beyond me. And that's a terpene situation. So making sure that we have the right terpenes at the right time is really integral in making sure that the the individual is 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 taken care of and and healthy. Can you go into that a little bit further? You know, the right terpenes at the right time. Can you give us an example here? Um so of course when you somebody that has fatigue, you want something that's like uplifting, you know, the, the terpenes that, that are uplifting. Um, I think limonene is, is one of those that, that, you know, you, it gives you energy and then, and myrcene, but then you at, at night, you want something that's a little bit more relaxing. So, you know, lavender is the only thing that's coming to mind right now. Um, and I, and I know that you shouldn't really ingest too much lavender. Um, but, it, it is, you, you want to look for those calming terpenes um, to try to get you to sleep. So those are, those are important situations in, in Crohn's patients because, you know, we don't want to, we don't want somebody having all this energy at really late at night and still can't sleep. And terpenes create, you know, they play that role for cannabis. 
they're very important in, in that situation. And not only that, but terpenes are great for inflammation too. So it's not just the cannabinoids, it's also the terpenes. So the profile of the cannabis strain that you're using really makes a difference. And some Crohn's patients are have do great on CBN. Um, some do great on CBG. We don't know the mechanism or the pathway um, for each individual Crohn's patient. Um, and we don't know the pathway for Crohn's in general, just as an umbrella disease and why cannabis works. And that's why we feel that research is so vital now at more than any time. And um, because people are getting to be more comfortable using cannabis and are using cannabis on their own. And once, if you don't have good guidelines and don't understand the plant and understand the terpenes, then you could have a bad experience on cannabis um, or not have an experience that you're mm-hmm. expecting. And then you're going to be like, well, you know, it didn't work for me when it could have, if you had the right strain or if you had the right, right. dosing or if you had the right guidance. Right. Colton, listen to your mom. She's a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the apple yeah, doesn't so- fall too far from the tree. The tree there. You guys started a foundation. How about sharing that with our listeners, please? Sure. So uh, one of the biggest issues that we have whenever we uh, talk to people who are either skeptical about cannabis or are about against the legalization of cannabis in, you know, whether they are a doctor or a lawyer or a patient or Joe Schmo down the street, one of the main arguments that they always have is, well, there's no research. So I had started the Colton Turner Foundation, which is a foundation dedicated to raising funds so that way we can do research on how cannabis actually affects uh, different ailments in a positive light. Uh, you know, the, one of the first things that we want to do is do a triple blind study on cannabis and Crohn's disease. So we'd be asking patients, you know, with Crohn's disease, what kind of cannabis methods are they using? How it's affecting them and their Crohn's disease? What, what does it make them feel? What are the effects that they have? How, what is their dosing? What is their preferred method of dosage and how often they're using it? So that's something that we're working towards right now. And we want to expand to even more ailments in the future. And the, the thing is, is that we, we weren't, we were constantly told that there wasn't any research and there's really, there, there's a ton of it, mm-hmm. but there isn't mm-hmm. anything that the United States actually sa- says is viable. Now, Colton had a case study done on him. And his, his GI doctor did a case study back in uh, 2015, 2016, maybe. She submitted it to the Pediatric Journal of uh, Gastroenterology. We got denied. So it was not published because it was cannabis. Um, so we still have all of these laws in the United States that push for NIDA, which is the National Institute of Drug Abuse, um, to have more control over these studies. And when he, when we, we were able to get some money from Colorado at one point in time um, to do some studies, and they did a candid, it was called the Candid Study at D- Children's Denver Hospital. Some of the questions that they were asking Colton were like, how many times have you sold your opioids? What? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was a true 100% 
question. How many times have you sold your opioids? Um, how many times have you used opioids for recreational use? And I'm like, this, this is not efficacy. This is not efficacy at all. You're looking for drug abuse. So mm. you're looking for kids that are selling their cannabis. You're looking for kids that are selling their opioids. You're not looking for efficacy. So we forced them to go to the back to the IRB and change those questions. One of the questions was, how many times a day do you dab or take oil? I'm like, well, hold on a second. Dabbing and taking oil are totally two different things. So you're making it sound like these kids, and we, we all can agree, dabbing is a little, you know. It can be intense. It can be intense. Not saying that it's not important because it is. I know a lot of patients that need to dab, especially when they have spasticity. But um, based on the question that they were asking, it was like I, as a 15-year-old kid, was dabbing four times a day, every day. Yeah. So there was no clarification um, in, in what actually these kids were doing. And that's one of the reasons why we pushed to do the 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 foundation um, is to make sure that these questionnaires that they're giving these kids or giving patients completely, they don't have a different agenda. That the agenda is for to see if there is efficacy or to see if there's not efficacy, you know, not to see how many kids are selling their opioids. I just want to say that I think what both of you are doing is absolutely fantastic. And Wendy, I know you're a proud mother to see your son advance as much as he has. I can see a smile on your face. And uh, Colton, I think what you're doing is absolutely remarkable. It's almost like you were destined to do this. And this is your calling in life. And I think what you are doing is absolutely remarkable. And both you and your mother and uh, your father and your brothers and sisters should be proud that what the family is doing to help others. Is there anything you would like to say, either one of you would like to say in conclusion? I would like to say that, we, Corey, I love you. Aw, thank you. And, and I, I go back to your Facebook posts, so keep posting them for reference. So I think what you're doing is remarkable also. And I think what all the things that Ian just said about us, you know, we did owe that to you. Oh, well, thank you. When Ian was saying that, I had been sitting here watching you, Wendy, and thinking, you look so proud of Colton. And oh my God, you should be. And Colton, you're, pardon my French, effing amazing. You really are. Yeah. <laughs> you really are. You all should be so incredibly proud of yourselves, your entire yes. family. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I just wish that there was more that we could do. Every single day, I get a message, probably like you, Corey, get a message from a, a mom or a dad that is just desperate. desperate. And yeah. And we have to get more education out there. We have to get we have to fix these laws and we have to fight the stigma and we have to win. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We do. Absolutely. We do. Yeah. Thanks guys. We really appreciate it. Wonderful story. Yeah. Thank you very, very much. Thank you so much for uh, bringing us on. It's always a pleasure. It was so great to talk to you guys again. Before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast, writing a review, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already. 
and we really like the five-star ratings. We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. It helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.